Welcome to episode five of Empower Central, the podcast for parents, teachers, and youth workers. I'm your host, Kristen Perona. We explore topics that will empower you as you guide and impact the next generation. Today, we have interim head of school, Noah Brink, and we are coming to you from Central Christian School in St. Louis. And today, we're talking about engaging children for transformation. Welcome, Noah. Thank you. How do you define what transformation is and what does that look like? Well, I feel like if we are a community that is, the way I would phrase it is gospel proclaiming rather than gospel assuming, that we are committed more to lasting change. One of my favorite authors, Paul David Tripp, says that one of the greatest failures of Christian communities, both as parents and schools, is that we assume that the law can do what only grace can accomplish. Mm. And what he means by that is we, we think that rules will change people. And yes, that may create temporary change. It may uh, affect behavior, but that doesn't create heart change. And I believe that a community that's committed to the gospel, parents that are committed to the gospel, want to see people that have love for Jesus. They have need for Jesus. They have gratitude for Jesus rather than people that simply do what they're told. Mm -hmm. And there's a big chasm between those two things. Is this an issue that you see in Christian schools today? Is this an issue you see in churches today or in Christian homes? What has gotten you passionate about this topic? Well, at times, sort of tongue-in-cheek, I refer to myself as a recovering Christian school alumnus. My parents taught me the doctrines of grace from an early age. I grew up in a Christian school, uh, was always at church, and not, not because of what my parents' teaching was, but I think the way I received it is that the purpose of all these Bible stories, the purpose of all these rules, that those things were models of how I could become a good person. Mm-hmm. And what that taught me is try harder, do more, work and work tirelessly even to become a better person, to become more acceptable. I looked at these Bible stories and thought, well, just be like Daniel, just be like Peter, just be like David, just do more. Mm-hmm. And once again, not because of my parents' failures, but it was the way I received it because I think that's just natural to us. We hear, well, look at this good thing this person did. And indirectly, children hear, well, you need to do that. And what that ends up creating in children is more of a model of transactions rather than transformation. You know, it's sort of the give and take. I did something good, therefore I'm supposed to have good things in return, rather than that actually changing someone. That's why I feel so strongly about it, because what I see in our churches and what I see in our homes and what I see in our Christian schools is unintentionally communities that are trying to shape children, young ones, who don't need Jesus as much. We're trying to create people who are acceptable. We're scared of trying to shape our kids, our children, our students, as though we're committed to a gospel of rescue. Rescue is messy. As a parent, I don't want messy. I want good. Right. And predictable Mm -hmm. and something that's acceptable in public. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think what what that ends up doing is uh, one of my favorite uh, mentors in Christian education said, that Christian schools and Christian communities and Christian youth groups, if they're not careful, are becoming older brother factories. And what he meant by that was that in the parable of the two sons, the younger brother ran away from home and spent all of his dad's money. 
and the older brother did everything he was supposed to. And mm-hmm. the way I received that parable is, don't be like the younger brother, but if you happen to become like the younger brother and you make bad choices, just know that God will always forgive you when you come back. That's the way I received it. I mm-hmm. did not receive the parable as though the way Jesus, I believe, is teaching the parable, he's teaching it to Pharisees. So I think the focus of that parable is the older brother didn't get it. The older brother did everything right. He conformed, but he wasn't transformed. He did what his father was asking him to do, but at the end of the parable, he's resenting his father. And as a dad and as a teacher, what I would prefer is for my my children to behave like the older brother, but in the end to be embracing their their yes. father like the younger brother. And acknowledging their sin like the younger yeah. brother. Mm-hmm. And I think that we assume that that's possible. Well, maybe it is. But I think that in trying to get them to behave like the older brother, you may actually be creating older brothers. Mm-hmm. And has Christian education become that where we are creating older brothers? I fear at times, we did, once again, mm-hmm. unintentionally. I don't mm-hmm. think that we're Absolutely. trying to do that. But you know, when we talk about alumni of our schools, who do we put before our students? The, Successful. The, the, and from a, a worldly yes. definition of success. Mm-hmm. Because look at this great thing this person did that almost our children feel like, well, then I need to conform to that. Correct. That's not transformation, that's conformity. And mm-hmm. once again, I understand why we want to say, look at this successful person, but we're furthering this idea that that's what's expected of you. We're scared of talking about Christian education, Christian parenting, as though we are ambassadors. It's an ambassador ministry, mm-hmm. and ambassadors, when they go to, to meet, they're speaking on behalf of the true leader. Mm-hmm. And if I view my ministry, parenting ministry or education ministry, as an ambassador ministry, then I am thinking first and foremost about what is the message God wants me to share with my, my children, my students. Mm-hmm. And it's not one of conform. It's one of, I deeply love you, come to me. That doesn't happen through do more, try harder. That mm-hmm. actually is enslaving. That's not life-giving. I want to go back to what you said about transactions versus transformation. I think so much of the attitude of entitlement that has been bred within our kids' hearts, within my own heart, as we think of doing good. Yes, God's grace is great, but I deserve it. How do we do this in our home? How do we prevent this entitlement, prevent this transaction attitude? I could speak at this at length, but I have two things that come to mind first. One, I think we need to avoid language that would unintentionally promote self-righteousness. You know, where a family or a parent or a teacher may say, well, that's not what good people do, or that's not what we do in our family. Almost causing our students to think, oh, well, good people do this, bad people do this. Yes, God gave us rules. His rules show us how life works best. But his rules don't make us good, and following his rules don't make us good. And, you know, it's been hard for me to almost get out of that way of speaking with my children where I would say, be good or don't be bad. I think some of that language, it prompts self-righteousness. Well, I'm the good one. It's like that older brother. Mm -hmm. See, I did what I was supposed to do. Mm -hmm. So I would say my first thing is we need to be on our guard about using language that would promote or prompt our children towards self-righteousness. The other one is creating a culture that runs towards confession, that we openly talk about, this is a struggle for me. I know my parents were sinners. I know my teachers were sinners. They didn't talk about it. 
they would they would use phrases like, "Well, nobody's perfect." Right. But that sort of is like this catch-all because we don't want to talk about the reality. I blew it, and I need Jesus. And what you just saw, and the way I treated you, the way you saw me respond, that's evidence that your daddy needs Jesus too. Did do we pray in a way that models a need for forgiveness? Our kids are are they're craving transparency. So what's more authentic than a community that's not just assuming the gospel, but is actually proclaiming it? In my own home, there have been times when I have had so many regrets and fear that I was wounding my children. And my husband reminds me that when I confess to my children, when I admit my sin in front of them, it actually makes them run to Jesus faster. Mm -hmm. It helps them understand their need for a savior because they understand their mom's need for a savior. What advice do you have for the mom or dad, for the teacher? who has not approached their child rearing or their teaching this way, rather than just drowning in regret, where do they go from here? Even to say to my children, I've not done a good enough job of asking for your forgiveness. At some point, we just have to start. Now we can have regret, but Jesus came to give us life. He came to give us hope. So you could either beat yourself up or actually proclaim the gospel. The gospel (laughs) says, I understand that my sin is far greater than I ever could imagine, and yet that's the very reason why Jesus came. He came to set me free. And I think this is a a life-giving approach towards parenting or working with students. Jesus is the one that changes hearts. If there were a system of rules I could give my children or my students that would guarantee lifelong change, then Jesus didn't have to come. There are no structures that guarantee that you will be able to create a desired output. It may create some temporary you know, effects. You may be able to create some tidiness or whatnot. Mm-hmm. I think when the parent goes to a child and says, I've not even done a good job of this, and I'm sorry for that, that right there is even a step in the right direction. Do you think that this transparency, this authenticity, is it specific to one age group, or is this something that we should be practicing with absolutely every youth in our life? I would say all the way down. Now, obviously, there are developmentally appropriate things mm-hmm. you talk about with mm-hmm. children. But I think from even the earliest age, for my kids, one of the greatest tragedies would be for my children to think that daddy has it all together or their teacher has it all together. Even my four-year-old, she needs to realize that dad blows it, that daddy also needs Jesus. I think this needing Jesus, I don't need him any less than I did at the moment of my conversion. It's just as relevant to today. Mm-hmm. And I think that if my students, my students hear that, my children hear that, that it begins to get them to a a different mindset where they're willing to talk with me now about their struggles. If parents, all they do is give students and their children structures for conformity, transactions once again, that rather than students running to their parents when they're struggling, they run away from their parents. Right. And I want my students to run to me Mm -hmm. because I also want them to get in the habit of running to people because they deeply know they're needy. And so even habituating running to their parents with their struggles yes. is a way of imaging and modeling what it looks like to run to Jesus. Yes. And my response needs to be the same sort of response that Jesus responds to us. Now, granted, he has rules that we violate, and I know that breaks his heart. But the way he responds to us, slow to anger, abounding in love. Is that the first thing my kids see in me? I can't say it is. Mm-hmm. 
I deeply want that to be the first thing they know about me. Mm -hmm. I love that you give the challenge to model how Jesus would respond to us. And yet at the same time, we're sitting in the tension that we also mess up and that we also are a sinner. And so that when we do, and when we blow it with our kids, with our students, that's even another opportunity to preach the gospel to them and preach the gospel to yourself and mentor that. And I just love the beauty of that, that even in our brokenness, even in our inability to model for them how Jesus responds to us, he actually uses that to proclaim the gospel Mm -hmm. and penetrate their hearts. Any other advice that you would want to end with? I guess my only advice that I want to end with is that we are so quick to think that the better of a job that we do for modeling for our kids, that that will somehow then produce better kids. Mm -hmm. And we just have to get free from that. That is enslaving. Mm -hmm. I think... um, It's exhausting. It's exhausting. I think that's one of the dangers even of, and and frankly, even a podcast. Mm -hmm. (laughs) With social media and all these things Mm -hmm. that you see on Pinterest, you see on Instagram, Mm -hmm. all of this parent's great. Mm -hmm. And I've got to be great. And if I'm not great, that somehow my kids are not going to be great. Right. We cannot make the mistake of almost thinking that we've become functional Jesuses in our home. It's this stuff we're talking about. It's supposed to set us free. It's not supposed to enslave us. Thank you so much, Noah. Thanks for being with us. My pleasure. Tune in again for Empower Central as we seek to partner with you as you raise and guide the next generation.